So we are going to continue. We're going to return to our series on loving like Jesus. So if you're just joining us, if you're just coming back to us, uh, for the last several weeks, we've been looking at the question, what does it mean to love like Jesus? And so far, we've looked at the story of David. David's adultery uh, by taking Bathsheba when Bathsheba was married to another man. And we looked at how David's love was out of position, an out of position love. And we contrasted that with the love that Jesus had for the Samaritan woman and the Samaritan people. Last week, if you're with us, we looked at the story of Hannah, a beautiful woman of faith who cried out to God in her pain. And we contrasted that with the, the, the parable that Jesus shared about an unrighteous judge and a widow, a desperate widow. And the point of that parable was is that God is nothing like the unrighteous judge. And therefore, we don't have to be like that widow in that parable. You know, we can trust and we can have faith that God will answer, that God will come, that God hears our cry. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to continue the story of Hannah by looking at the fulfillment of the promise that, that if God gave her a child, if he gave her what she was asking God to give, she would return that child to the Lord. And we see if you read in 1 Samuel, the first few chapters, we see that God does answer her cry and gives her a baby boy to which she names Samuel. The name Samuel means, I have asked of him from the Lord. And Hannah, being true to her promise, when the child was weaned, brought him to the temple. Can you imagine bringing your little child to the temple and dropping him off and, and saying, he's yours, he's all yours now. But she brought him back to Eli, and uh, where the child would be raised as a, as a minister of the Lord under the supervision of Eli. And the story of Hannah has this nice little epilogue. We see that God gives her five more children. So she is ultimately blessed for bringing, you know, the first fruits back to God. She returns it to God. God gives her five more children. And there's this nice little mom moment. Like it's such a mom moment that every year she would go visit Samuel in the temple and she would make him a little robe. Like I just see this, like such a mom thing to do, right? Make her little child a robe. And I'm sure he's like, mom, you're embarrassing me. Stop it. You know, some of you had moms that made you little Christmas jammies every year. Like that's what Hannah was doing. She, she, she brought him the, the, the most cutest little robe. And, uh, and he, but every year after year, it says that Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. You get the sense that as this young man, this young boy is growing, he's growing not just physically, but spiritually. In fact, 1 Samuel 2 verse 26 says, Now the boy Samuel continued to grow in both stature and in favor with the Lord and also with man. And what I find interesting about the story of Samuel is that Hannah's story was one where she calls out to God and God hears her cry in her moment of need and God answers her. And now you have Samuel, and we're going to see this in a moment, in Israel's moment of need, it is now God calling out to Samuel and Samuel is now the one answering God's call. You know, when it comes to loving like Jesus, we place a lot of emphasis on what comes out of our mouths being a reflection of what is in our heart. We know Jesus said that from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's why my parents, maybe your parents, said garbage in, garbage out as I hung tightly to my CD collection saying, you can't have it. But just as often as the Bible speaks of, the, of this correlation that exists between our hearts and our mouths, so does it equally recognize that there's a correlation, that there's an interconnectedness between our hearts and our eyes and also our ears? 
And it's why Jesus, when he would speak in parables, parables were stories that had a spiritual meaning attached to it, often that was hidden from eyes and ears that were closed and hearts that were hardened. Jesus explained one of the reasons why he often spoke in parables in Matthew chapter 13, verse 15, when he said this, he said, For the people's hearts have grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. And with their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. You see, when our eyes and our ears are shut to what God is saying and doing, our hearts become dull. Yet when we open our eyes and when we hear with our ears, our hearts, as Jesus said, will be healed. Perhaps why Jesus would always finish his parables with the words, he who has ears to hear, let them hear. Could it be that our ability to love like Jesus is directly correlated to how well we can hear his voice? Today, more than ever, though, we struggle to hear the voice of God due to the overwhelming amount of noise that is coming into our lives. Never before have we had to deal with such volume. So many voices competing for our ears and subsequently our heart's attention. Every minute, there are 300 hours added to YouTube. Did you know that every minute, 300 hours and 500 billion videos are watched every single day? 50 million songs are on the popular streaming uh, spot of music, the music streaming Spotify, and 700,000 podcasts. On Netflix, there are 4,000 movies and 2,000 shows, yet it feels like there's never anything good to watch on Netflix. Am I right? The average time a person spends on social media is now two and a half hours. We interact with, so by interact, we touch or we click or we you know, do something on our phones a total of 2,600 times a day. The average person sends and receives about 94 text messages and spends about 55 minutes a day just texting. And we aren't even taking into account the actual important relationships in our lives, right? Our families, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors. We add all that up, all all the amount of voices that's coming in on a daily basis. Is it any wonder why we struggle to hear the voice of God? Is our struggle due to, not, to God not speaking, or is our struggle due to his voice being drowned out by all of life's noise? Yet, in the midst of all that, there's a God who still speaks. There's a God who still speaks, but not only speaks, is speaking to you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that there's a God who not only speaks, but he desires to speak to you personally? Maybe some of you today believe that, yeah, God does speak. Maybe you believe he speaks to others, but no, God desires for you to hear his voice because ultimately his desire for you to hear his voice is birthed by an even greater desire, and that is a desire for you to know him and to be known by him. God desires for you to know his love, and that is why God speaks. And so today, as his word says, today, if you hear his voice, If you hear the voice of the Lord, do not harden your heart as some have been in the habit of, as some in their rebellion have done. No, today we want to open up our ears to the voice of God so that we can open our hearts to the love of God. And so as we turn to the story of Samuel, the story of Samuel is set at a time when God wasn't speaking to his people, or probably better said, Israel wasn't listening to their God. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. 
And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. See, between the time of Moses and Samuel, it was a time marked by a national rebellion. Israel's hearts had become hardened towards God, and thus the word of the Lord was quite rare. In the book of Judges, which is the time period that precedes Samuel, we see this repeating pattern takes place over and over again in the book of Judges. It says that a generation died, a generation passed, and there arose another generation, and I quote, who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done. Not because they could not know the Lord, but because they were choosing not to know the Lord or the wor- or his work. And when your heart is hardened towards God, well, it doesn't matter how loud God speaks, you aren't going to hear his voice. And some have wondered, is, is good, the lack of God speaking, is the lack of not knowing the Lord, is it due to God being silent? Or is God being silent due to his people not wanting to hear his voice? In one sense, you could say that the word of the Lord had become rare in Israel's day due to Israel's increasingly hardened hearts. In fact, in the book of Jeremiah, we see this other pattern emerge. And the pattern is of God saying, I spoke to them, I desired to speak to them, yet they refused to listen. For example, Jeremiah 6, chapter, t- Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 10 says, To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are closed, and they cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord has become a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. Jeremiah would describe the ears of the Israelites as being uncircumcised. Why does God bother even speaking if people have no desire to listen? And then there are other th- these other moments in Israel's story that God's silence was, was, was rather a sign of his divine displeasure, was a form of his judgment on a wicked people. For example, we see that in Saul's life, King Saul, when the Lord removed his anointing, when he had now rejected Saul as king, we see a moment when Saul cries out to the Lord for help, and it says explicitly in the text that God ignored the cry of Samuel. How scary is that? That God would ignore his cry. We see in Amos that God sends a famine on the land, but not the famine you and I might think God would send. God says in Amos 8, 11 through the prophet Amos, he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Either way, when God is not speaking, there you will find a people who do not know him. The book of Proverbs says that without prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Or in the version, Terry's version of the Bible, when God's not speaking, people do whatever the heck they want. Which, you might say, accurately describes the time that we are living in. You know, this moment, people are following the desires of their flesh, willingly and intentionally choosing to ignore God's truth. Yet what sets our day apart from the day of Samuel is that unlike Samuel, in which the word of the Lord was rare, ours is a time when the word of the Lord is not rare. Ours is a time where the word of the Lord is is abundant. I think we take for granted just how available God's word is to us, the God who speaks. I think we take for granted the most printed and downloaded book of all time, the Bible, God's word. It is so available to us, and we can come, and we can hear the Lord speak without restriction. We can come to church, for the most part, without restriction. The Spirit has been poured out 
upon you, has been deposited within you without restriction. Yet sadly, this is a moment where there is such little love for what is true, such little respect and authority rendered to the, to the scriptures, to the word of God, both, dare I say, outside as well as inside the church. Jesus predicted that in the days leading up to his return would be like the days of Noah. People would be doing whatever they wanted to do, whatever was right in their eyes, and when they, they would know not that the flood would come, and when the flood finally comes and they know, it would be too late. 2 Timothy 3, 4 says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears that they will accumulate for themselves, teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. I'm scared to say that that time is not just coming, that time is here. As one generation passes away, sadly, another generation takes its place. My generation, the generation to come, that is even further and further from knowing him and hearing his voice. Yet, yet, with every generation that does not know the Lord, God raises up a Samuel, doesn't he? God raises up a Samuel. People who want to know the Lord, who love him, whose hearts are not hardened, whose hearts are softened towards him, who, who wants to know God's truth, but doesn't want to know it, wants to live by it, who wants to pick up their cross. Whatever the cross our culture deems as a cross, to pick it up, to, to carry it in order to follow Jesus. To those who love him, God will make his voice known. God will speak to those whose hearts are open towards him. I believe there are Samuels in this room. I believe there are some young people who are Samuels in this very room, in, this, in, our, in our church, in our youth group. And it is often in these darkest moments of our, of our time that the voice of the Lord can be heard at its loudest. It was at the darkest moment of Israel's rebellion that God raised up a prophet who would not just hear the word of the Lord, but would speak it would proclaim it, would live by it. But before Samuel could ever be a prophet, before Samuel could ever speak the word of the Lord, he would first need to learn how to recognize it. And so in verse 2 to 3, we see that at the time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of, the God, a lamp of God had not gone out yet, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. You know, these are not some insignificant words that are being thrown around. There, if you read between the lines, there's some symbolism that is happening here. We see Eli, the high priest, whose eyes are not just physically dim, but spiritually dim because of how he treated or, or perhaps the lack of treatment towards his sons. We have the lamp of God that has not gone out yet, foreshadowing that the, in the darkest of night, the lamp of God has still not been extinguished. And you have a young Samuel lying in the temple, not just spatially, but spiritually. He is close to, he's lying next to the Ark of the Covenant, which contains the tablets. Written on those tablets are the Word of God, the Law. And it's in this moment where the spiritual eyes are the, the most dimmest that God speaks out to Samuel. Verse 4 to 7, Then the Lord called Samuel and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you call me. But he said, I did not call you. You go lie down again. So he went down and laid down, and the Lord called again, Samuel. 
And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Aren't you glad you and I serve a God that doesn't give up the first time he calls? That he calls back? You know, today, when people call, I don't, I'll give you a little insight. This might be a little embarrassing, but in my generation, we don't pick up the phone anymore. Anyone? You know, when people call, we're like, why are you calling? And we're like, because what do we say? If it's important, they will, they'll call back. They won't leave a voicemail. They'll call back if it's important. Thankfully, God calls us back. He doesn't just call once and give up. He calls back, and he calls back, and he calls back. And, and both times, God calls Samuel, yet Samuel in his innocence doesn't recognize who's calling him. He goes to his master, Eli, and he says, I'm here. What, what is it that you want? And both times, Eli fails to discern that Samuel is, who Samuel is hearing, and he sends him back to bed. Now, I empathize with with uh, Eli here as a father who's been disturbed in his sleep so many times. I just got to say, I understand Eli just wanted to sleep, okay? It's like, just go back to bed. Go back to bed. Why is it that Samuel fails to recognize God's voice? Verse 7 says, just go ahead and throw that, the text right there. It's there in yellow. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. You see what's happening here? Samuel didn't recognize the voice of the Lord because he didn't yet know the Lord. He did not yet know the Lord, it says. Unlike Eli's sons, who explicitly it says that they did not know the Lord, it says that Samuel did not yet know the Lord because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. See, for Samuel to know the Lord, Samuel needs to first hear his voice. Let that be a reminder for us all. That for, you, for us, who, who, if we desire to know God, not just know him, know him personally, know him intimately, we must know his voice. Not just know his voice, but know his voice among, above all other voices. As Jesus said in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me and I go before my sheep. I lead my sheep and they follow me. Why? Because my sheep know my what? My voice. My sheep know my voice and that is why they follow me. I know my sheep and my sheep know me as their shepherd because my sheep know my voice. To know Jesus, to follow him, we must know his voice. We must trust his voice. We must follow his voice. And so how do we hear the voice of the Lord? How do we learn to place his voice above all other voices in our lives? Well, after mistaking, Eli, uh, mistaking God's voice for Eli's a third time, Eli finally wisens up to who it is that is speaking to Samuel. Now, this is not insignificant. I mean, Eli, if you, if you read the background of the story here in 1 Samuel, he gets a bit of a bad rap, and, and a lot of it's deserve, deserving. But here, Eli, in his old age, does something right. And it's not without significance, because as high priest, God was supposed to speak to Eli and not Samuel. It was the role of the high priest to hear the word of the Lord, and so that is probably why Eli doesn't expect God to be speaking to Samuel, yet he perceives 
that God is no longer speaking to him. God is now speaking to Samuel. And rather than, you know, get jealous or get upset or get angry, no, he teaches the boy not just to hear the word of the Lord, but how to respond to the word of the Lord. In verse 8, it says, And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and he went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you call me. Then Eli perceived, that's such a great word, isn't it? He perceived the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Eli says, if you hear the word of the Lord, go lie down, and here's what I want you to say. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Your servant hears. Samuel invites God to speak, but not first without identifying how he is to listen. He is to listen as God's servant. What does a servant do? A ser- what does a servant do? A servant serves. There you see what I'm saying? A servant serves. A servant hears their master's call with a readiness to act. And that is how Samuel answers the Lord. He says, I don't just hear you speaking, Lord. I'm listening to what it is that you are saying. Because how many of us know that there is a difference between hearing and listening? Hearing is the ability to recognize that a bunch of noise is traveling through your ears. Listening, on the other hand, is the ability to perceive, to make sense of what all that noise means. How, like, a student can hear their teacher teaching. How many any young people? You've been on Zoom a lot, right? You hear the teacher teaching, but are you listening? No, your parents are there. You're not going to answer? Okay, that's fine. How about this one? How about this one? A husband can hear his wife speaking, but not be listening because they're either watching the game or on their phone. Maybe there's some personal conviction that brought that one up to the surface. Anyone? Any husbands? How about how, one more? One more. Do you ever find someone texts you, ever been in the situation, and you forget about it, they text you, and then days later you remember? And what is it that you reply? Young people, anyone? Just saw this. You didn't just see it. You saw it days ago. You just forgot. Come on. You just forgot to reply. This is how we learn to hear the voice of the Lord in our lives. It's not just hearing God speak. There's plenty of people that can hear. There are few who can listen. Listen to hear with the purpose of doing that which he calls us to do. That's why the Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God. The Shema is one of the most famous prayers. It says, hear, O Israel. It's not just hear, but hear with the purpose of obeying. It's when God reveals who he is. It's you and I identifying who we are. We are your servants, ready to do, ready to be, ready to go. And like Samuel, there came another who came to the serve, not to be served, but to serve. And that is the one who is the word of God, the voice of God made flesh, Jesus, who is our true and our better Samuel. Did you know that Jesus was born at a time like Samuel where the the word of the Lord was rare? If you know between Malachi and Matthew, there were 400 years of silence. They were called 
silent, 400 years of silence, what they were called. Because in that time period, God did not raise a new prophet. No new revelation was given. Eyes were dim. Hearts were hardened. Eyes were closed. It's like that song we sang earlier. You know, in the darkness we were waiting, without hope, without light. And there came from heaven one running who had mercy in his eyes. One came from heaven who both knew the Father and the Father knew him. And when the Father called on him, the voice of the Father came to him to lay down his life for his sheep. He answered with, not my will, but yours be done. He gave his life as a ransom for sin. He didn't just hear the Father speak. He listened. And the life he lived was marked by an importance to hear the Father's voice in everything that he did. It's why when a young boy, when his parents thought he was lost, you know, in Jerusalem, where did they find him? In the temple, Jesus says, what are you looking for? I'm in my father's house. I'm at home. I got to be about my father's business. I got to hear my father's voice. And as he grew up, it says in Luke chapter 2, 52, it says that in Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar to the story that we just shared? And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature as he heard the, his father's voice, as he learned how to listen. And there were days in his life when the crowds pressed up against him. The people crying out, so many voices saying, touch me, heal me, save me. Jesus never once ignored any of their cries. Yet before he ever heard their voice, he would often retreat to a desolate place and there he would pray. He would seek the voice of the Lord. But Jesus today isn't just our model for how to hear the voice of the Lord. While he is absolutely that, he is the one who has deposited his spirit in you today to bring revelation to what Jesus is teaching us, his voice, his words, to discern when God is speaking and when God is not speaking to bring the word of God alive in us, to teach us, encourage us, correct us, to guide us. More than that, God hasn't just placed his spirit in you today, but the word of God says the spirit of God can come upon you. It can come upon you. And when the spirit comes upon you, like Samuel, you will not just hear the voice of the Lord, you will speak the voice of the Lord. It says in the last days, I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. And what will they do in those days? They will prophesy. We will prophesy. As God's servants, we live in a time when those do what is right in their own eyes, yet in those same last days when everyone is ignoring truth, when people are doing what is right in their own eyes, there is a generation of people who are called by God's name, who know and love God, who hear his voice, and in that day they will speak out. They will prophesy to a generation that does not know nor know how to hear his voice. They will prophesy and they will go where the Spirit leads them to go. They will do all that God is calling them to do. But before we can speak, we must learn how to listen. And so it all comes back in conclusion to what's happening right here in our hearts. If you desire to hear God's voice, let not your heart be hardened. Is there anyone's hearts here today hardened? This season just, just is so, so available for creating hardened hearts. It's just something about this season. If you desire to grow in God's love, let us keep our eyes and our ears open. Is there anyone today whose eyes or ears are closed? If we desire to be more like Jesus, let our answer be today, speak, Lord. Speak, Lord, for your 
servants. We listen. We listen. Would you stand to your feet? We just, we just want to pray now in response. Because the beautiful thing that if you say today that, yes, my heart is hardened, or my eyes and ears have been closed, that there's a God who, who invites us to come, and when we come to him, he will open our eyes, he will open our ears, he will soften our hearts, but we need to come. We need to come before him and confess and repent and seek his face. And, and today, if you want to be a servant, what better way to serve than just by simply coming into his presence, presenting yourself before him, and allow him to search your heart to see if there's anything in there that has become hardened towards his voice, to see if in any way your ears and eyes have been closed to what it is God is saying or doing. So let us just take this moment right now just to, to pray and to listen beautiful thing about prayer is prayer is not just about you and I speaking. Prayer is also about us listening. And so God, we, uh, we want to hear your voice today. God, we thank you today for your son, Jesus Christ, who is our example, but also the one who has given us your spirit to help us to perceive and to hear that which you are speaking. God, we recognize that we are living in a time, and I believe, Lord, we're living in a time to which you've called us to. The reason why we are alive today, that there's a reason for that, that you've put us right here on this earth. Like Samuel was brought up, was placed on that earth for such a time as that, you have brought us here for such a time as this. So raise up Samuels, I pray, oh God. Those who hear the word of the Lord, but don't just hear, but listen who want to do that which you are calling them to do. God, we say speak, for we, your servants, are listening. Lord, and if there's anyone today who would just so humbly come before you today and say, my heart has been hardened, and I get it. Oh, Lord, we get it. I think we've all gone through seasons of our lives like that. Some of us might be in a season right now. Oh God, would you melt our hard hearts today by coming into your presence and presenting ourselves and just so humbly confessing, God, my heart has been hardened. I don't know why, or maybe I do know why, but I'm just here today to say, God, would you melt my heart? This heart of stone, God, would you give me a new heart, a heart of flesh? To put a new spirit in me, a new heart, Lord. And Lord, today, if we have eyes or ears that have been closed, maybe it's because we've been so busy. Maybe because there's just too much noise. We've allowed too much noise to come into our lives, and it's drowning out your voice. Oh, Lord, help us to set our priorities straight. Like Jesus, you always, always had your priorities straight. You sought the voice of the Lord before you heard any other voices. And may we seek to do the same. Open our eyes, Lord. Open our ears so that our hearts may grow more and more into your likeness, into the likeness of Jesus. God, we desire to be like you today, to be like Jesus. And so we say not our will, but your will. Speak, Lord, your servant, we listen. Help us to hear the voice, your voice. Help us to walk in obedience. Today, if we hear your voice, Lord, we will not harden our hearts. We will open our eyes, we will open our ears, 
and you will heal our hearts. You will heal our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God is good, and we serve a good God, and uh, we are a blessed people. So as we leave here today, just go in his favor. Go and go in his peace, and just know that he goes before you. He walks beside you, and uh, let us be salt and light to the world that we live in. So I just want to bless you today as you leave, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday. And uh, don't forget, we have church prayer tonight as well. Go poke on the website, heartstrong.life. If you're just curious, go home, heartstrong.life. Check it out, poke around. Have a great and blessed week. Love you guys. See you next Sunday.